Good morning. So um, picking up where I left off, the last Sunday school class we had on the Family on Mission book was on April 5th. Um, I'm just going to show you guys the book I'm working out of. There's a few a few different editions, and so if you want to know the one that I'm reading out of, I would definitely recommend this one if you can get it. Um, I'm not positive, but I think Mike's stuff has evolved a lot, um, or more as he's kind of thinned stuff out, and so this is really kind of quick and to the point. So I would get that one if you want to pick one up. Um, so April 5th, um, the main topic I was discussing in chapter uh, one, yeah, chapter one was the three different styles of ministry that Mike and Sally, his wife, went through um, to get to the point of really experiencing and believing that a family on mission model that we've described, I've described some, and we're going to continue to look at is, is I don't want to say the best, but they think there's a lot to be offered there. Uh, and they think it's a primary way that the church is meant to operate. So um, Mike and Sally shared that their experience after, I think it was about 20 years of ministry, um, their experience was that they were, um, they kind of went through three different models. The first model they never actually practiced. They witnessed it from the outside and they said, that's not for us. We're not going to do that. And the model was uh, family or mission where a minister would choose to invest in his family or his mission and um, there was obviously, you can probably guess there was some fallout from that. The families were often burnt out. Uh, there was marital stress. The, the children were oftentimes in a really bad spot. And then, so they looked at that from the outside when they were basically um, being encouraged to look at different churches around England uh, as they were being kind of um, ushered into ministry. And then uh, from there, so they said, that's not for us. We're going to have a healthy family. We're going to have a healthy ministry. They really felt called to ministry to make disciples early on. That was a clear calling they had, but they weren't going to let their family suffer. So they tried to balance the two columns. And after about 10 years of that, they were exhausted. And they said that they, a huge problem with that model, which basically was you're, they were always putting time. They were putting a ton of time into planning, 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 planning to try to make sure that they, their ministry thrived and they had, and their family thrived. And they, they just burnt out and uh, there was a, an amount of an immense amount of effort put into it. And the huge problem they had was that they were putting such effort into trying to balance these two separate things and kind of do them both really well that they didn't have the energy and the time and the bandwidth to make disciples. They didn't really invest in, they were not able to make disciples who made disciples. So they had thriving ministries I think they would say thriving, but they would say that today, if you went back to the city where that ministry was, there's nothing left. And it's because they didn't make disciples that made disciples. So they did that for about 10 years. And then they said, there's got to be something else. They had a, essentially a sabbatical and, um, or they had kind of like a, a low key uh, period of ministry. And at that time, they really focused on their family and they said, what can we do differently? And they said, maybe we can, we can invite our spiritual family into our family, become a spiritual family, and then we can go on mission. So basically they said they started to blur the lines between mission and family. And they said um, they invited their spiritual family into their family activities like meals, uh, helping their kids do homework, 
um, getting coffee, watching soccer, all sorts of stuff, watching soccer games on TV. And then they, they invited a lot of people in and then they took all those people and they went on mission together. And they said, this really worked And their, they, what they found was that their ministry thrived and their family thrived. And that was the only way they had found where they could have both ministry and family thriving. So that was last week. Um, we're going to discuss that more as we go forward. Um, this week, chapter two, basically Mike goes through the scriptures and he is showing how, um, oh, before we go any further, I want to thank everyone for the Mirabelle's, um, gift card. Thank you, everybody in the church. I will bring cookies and goodies to my coworkers. Sorry. So back to the thing. I wanted to say that. Um, so Mike goes through the scriptures and he shows how we have, the scriptures have a lens where he is arguing that God and the people God is using are are living as spiritual families on mission. So we're going to go through that now. Um, I said this last week and I'll, I'll say again, a lot of these ideas are not my own. I'm, I don't have nearly the um, wisdom and ministry that Mike has. So this is not my wisdom. This is not my experience. I'm basically just bringing um, this model and, and trying to offer some of the ideas that Mike has. So I'm quoting Mike heavily. I'm really leaning on his book and his ideas. Um, so I'm going to read off a handful of quotes here. Um, before Mike goes, starts going through the scriptures, he says this, we are all called to function as an inter, as integral members of some kind of family on mission, because this is who God is. That's how Jesus functioned. Our identity is deeply rooted in family family because the basic nature of God is family. God himself is family on mission, and he consistently operates this way in his work with his creation. Um, From Adam and Eve to Abraham to Jesus, the early church, family on mission, sorry, from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Jesus, to the early church, family on mission is the methodology God has used to accomplish his redemptive work in the world. All of God's missional activity springs from his identity as a family on mission. It is out of how God is a family on mission that he creates the world. And what we see in his creation is that those who specifically bear his image also function as a family on mission. Um, In the creation story, Mike points out that every step of the creation is deemed good. And you all probably know this. God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. And then the first thing deemed not to be good is a human that's alone, uh, Adam. So God makes Eve. They unify. They become one flesh. They have such a deep relationship that they function almost as one person. So they're a family on mission. So God created a family, Adam and Eve, then gives them a mission, go forth and multiply. Mike points out, that this first task is impossible to carry out individually. The very first expression of humanity was a family on mission, Mike says. And again, not something that could be done as an individual, as, as a family. So then Mike goes through Noah, um, when after the flood, Noah's, Noah's not solo, he has a family, and his family is tasked with, with um, going forth and multiplying, just like Adam and Eve. Um, and then, then it comes time for redemption. So God is, is going to start his redemptive process, and he goes to Abraham and Abraham's family. And he says, 
he has them leave where they are and go as a family. And he says, through your family, uh, through your lineage, the whole world will be blessed. So God basically starts this big redemptive process with a family on mission. Um, God, and, and Mike Mike is calling God a community um, as the Trinity. So um, I'm probably in over my head a little bit and talking about this, um, but I, I don't think he's stretching it in any unusual way. I think he's just talking about, you know, he's, Jesus is the Trinity or God is the Trinity. And so he has a community and is on mission. Um, so God, who is, is a community in unity, is expressing the same reality in the creatures who bear his image. I'm going to read that again. God, who is a community in unity, is expressing the same reality in the cre- in the creatures who bear his image. From, from before the beginning and through the entire story of the Old Testament, we see family on mission at work in the plans of God because it is simply a reflection of who he is as God. Community in unity, family on mission. Um, Mike points out that this is a strong contrast to our culture, what our culture is saying. Our culture is, and for a while has been saying, you know, you as an individual, go out, discover who you are, um, and, and just be, you know, be the best you and express yourself. And, um, and it really is in a very individualistic view of you. Um, and in saying that our culture is cutting us free from communities. It's not, we are not to, in the world's eyes, suffer for our community, um, or we are not to think in terms of what is best for our community. We we are foremost told to go out and do what's best for us. Um, this is often at the expense of others, our families, and extended families, if they even exist anymore. Um, instead, we're, we're called, and this is Mike, Instead, we are called to function together as families on mission. These relationships aren't just loose friendships or the kinds of connections we cultivate at networking events. These aren't just business partnerships or friendly acquaintances. It must be much deeper than that. To really lean into the dreams God has put into our hearts, we need to learn how to live as families on mission again. I read that a little fast. But to to really lean into the dreams God has put into our hearts, we need to learn how to live as families on mission again. This is simply how God works in the world. Family on mission is how God has been working since the creation of the world, and it's how he's working today. We human beings are hardwired for family, and until we embrace that reality, we will always have a stunted, frustrated experience as Christians. So, um, yeah, that's something that I want us to consider. Mike is saying that there's something lacking when we don't uh, experience the spiritual family on mission. And so that that's just, we're just kind of opening that door now. Um, but in the back of your mind, maybe this is something that, uh, and this is what we're going to be turning over for weeks to come, but just set that in the back of your mind that there's maybe something we're missing just in the way we interact with one another. And it may be a cultural lens we have. We maybe have an individualistic kind of lens that, um, doesn't allow us to see it very easily. It's a blind spot we have. Um, so getting back to what Mike is saying, Jesus is the ultimate revelation of living out family on mission, just as he is the ultimate revelation of discipleship and mission and everything God calls us to do. So looking at Jesus's ministry then, 
Um, so kind of moving from the Old Testament quickly now into the life of Jesus. Um, one thing unique about Jesus um, is that he early on tells his family, his nuclear family, his blood family, that his real family are the people who do the will of his father. He says, you know, um, these are my brothers and my sisters. Um, so Mike reads into that. For Jesus, making disciples is about building a family because Jesus is starting that disciple-making process already in, in that text that he's referencing. So for Jesus, making disciples is, is tantamount or is, is connected to building a family. Um, after returning from the wilderness, when Jesus is tempted by Satan, he returns from the wilderness and the power of the Spirit. Um, and he immediately starts building an oikos. That's a word I'm going to, I'm going to use quite a bit, um, cause Mike used it a lot. It's a, I believe it's a Greek word, but it just means the extended family, extended spiritual family, oikos. So it usually, as I understand it, it's, there's a patriarch, matriarch, and then there's their children and grandchildren, and then there's servants and work associates that work closely with them. And it's usually a group, a fairly large group. I think it's like 30 to 70, um, people, so it's a, it's a fairly large group. So what Mike says is Jesus knew what everyone knew in that time. He starts building an oikos. He knew what everyone knew in that time, that you can't actually function without an oikos. So Jesus, um, early in his ministry, he's in, I believe he's in Nazareth, and he goes into the temple and he reads a scripture out of Isaiah saying that he is going to fulfill it. And he's saying that he's going to fulfill it and also uh, include the Gentiles. And it's a terrible paraphrase, but he, the, the people, his family and friends, the, the people he would have lived his whole life with, grab him, bring him to the, to a cliff and they're about to stone him. And then he slips off. So interesting time in Jesus's life. He's rejected by his friends and his family. Mike points out something interesting that when those people grab him and they drag him to the edge of the village where they're going to kill him, his family's not protecting him. His friends aren't protecting him. They're not defending him. No one is standing in between them. No one's grabbing Jesus and protecting him. He's, it seems like he's been abandoned by everyone. So that, so maybe, I'm not sure if that's entirely correct, but um, whether or not that's true, um, Jesus has been rejected now by his village. And so then he goes on. And then he goes on, I believe, to Capernaum. And that's when he runs into Peter and, and other disciples, uh, John. And so anyway... One thing Mike points out at this kind of critical point in Jesus' ministry is the thing Jesus doesn't do is walk off and assume he can do it on his own. I've been rejected by my family. I don't need a family. I'm going to go have my ministry. Uh, so he loses his oikos, but he doesn't foolishly, and this is Mike again, but he doesn't foolishly assume that now he is called to function without an oikos, without an expended family, without a spiritual family. Um, no, he knows that he needs a family to, to join him on his mission. Even the Son of God needed a family to function fully in his calling. So from there, Jesus goes and into uh, some of John's uh, disciples start to follow him. He meets Peter. Um, and so basically, he starts forming this new community. This new community serves him. They listen to him. They like him. They listen to his teaching. Uh, he uses Peter's boat uh, at one point. So he's kind of testing Peter, Mike says. Um Will you lend me your resources? Um, then Jesus tests him further and says, hey, go 
you're a fisherman, I'm a carpenter, but I want you to go and cast your nets in, in on the other side of the boat. And Peter trusts him. So um, Jesus basically is taking these acquaintances, friends, people who like him, who are lending him their letting them use their stuff and um, introducing, they're introducing Jesus to their family. So he's, he's on the road to discipling these men. Um, they are becoming friends and now he's starting to transition them to becoming followers where they're actually listening to him. Um, so this, this event happens where Jesus says, go cast your nets uh, on the other side of the boat. Peter does it. He's astounded, uh, just tons of fish. Um, so at that point, Peter follows Jesus. He leaves his fishing behind and follows Jesus. Um, Peter's family, Peter's oikos, is transformed um, and becomes the place where God is visiting his people. Um, from Peter's house, sick people are being brought to are being brought to Jesus. Jesus is healing sick people. Um, so from there, Jesus. So he has friends that are transitioning to becoming followers. Uh, and then, then they're being, then they're being brought into his family. So, um, they've invited Jesus into their family. Now he is starting to bring them into his, um, Mike defines followers as those who submit their skills and resources to have Jesus transform them. And that's good. And that's a good start. But family are those who surrender completely laying down their agenda fully for the agenda of Jesus. This is what the disciples eventually do. Um, and from there, Jesus takes his disciple, his disciple followers, and goes out to other towns and starts his ministry up. So um, Jesus at this time tells Peter that he's the rock in which he will build his church. So Jesus is inducting, and this is, again, me quoting Mike, Jesus is inducting Peter into his work now. So I'm going to, you're going to become a fisher of men. You're going to be a rock on which I build my church. So now Peter is getting pulled into what Jesus is doing, Jesus' mission. Um, so, and basically, so Jesus' Jesus's ministry model was from taking, Mike is saying, taking people and moving them from being friends to followers to family. Um, and then what we see with the disciples is after Jesus' ascension, um, the disciples continue to live in close proximity to each other and as family with one another. Um, so Dave's sermon last week touched on this. Um, we're looking at the book of Acts, right? So how are the disciples operating in relation to one another? So, and we'll get to that a little bit later, a little bit more. Um, as So as we make disciples, and, and this is Mike again, and mobilize God's people for mission, the methodology we use must be congruent with the way of Jesus. We need to learn how to do family on mission. So, um, you know, I'm, I need to hear that, and I'm kind of wrestling with that myself. What does that mean? But that's the point that Mike's driving at, is as we're trying to make disciples and trying to mobilize people for mission, the methodology we use has to be the same as the one Jesus used. So Jesus used a family on mission. Um, so... I'm hoping that we can see what's actually being discussed here. Um, not just like an interesting idea, not just to kind of consider it, but to really see everything that, to try to, well, obviously we can't see everything related to this, but to really take a close look at it. Because 
um, if this is a blind spot we have, there's there can be a lot that we're missing that we can kind of overlook quickly if we're just kind of looking at it as an idea. If we're just kind of looking at the spiritual family on mission uh, as an idea, kind of turn it around, think about it. Um, so I think there's a lot there and how it would, just with the last two, uh, this chapter and last chapter, the things we've discussed, um, there's a lot that we could consider and how we would definitely revolutionize and change the way we interact with the world around us and, and primarily how we interact with each other. So if, if growing in discipleship is something that requires a shift um, to, and to grow greatly in our capacity, it would probably require large changes. So if you're, if you're going from not being proficient in making disciples or not knowing how to make disciples to making disciples, that's not a tiny shift. That's, that's a big shift. Uh, and so the question is, what are the changes that need to be made, right? Um, I don't believe, I really, I do not believe it's just little tiny um, methodology changes. There's a quote my uncle told me years ago that has haunted me and stuck with me and informed me. And it's, uh, Ian Bounds says, men are looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. And so I am not making an argument for a ministry model that's a magic bullet. But a spiritual family on, on mission, <laughs> but um, but this, a spiritual family on mission, um, it, you know, the reason Jesus used it is it, it has power to influence every part of our lives because it, it really gets deep to who we are as people, being people made for community. Um, it, you know, people have said that, you know, if you want to see what you're like, you can look at um, something like if you look at your five closest friends, right? You're kind of like an amalgamation of your five closest friends. So, you know, relationships have a power, powerful influence on us. And so um, if we're, I, I think that the spiritual family is is really powerful. And the reason we really need to, to take a close look at it is it influences how we relate to God, right? How we inter- relate to one another influences how we relate to God and it can really influence how we relate to the world around us. Uh, and the way we interact with one another actually changes the way we interact with one another. So it's really, it's a really powerful thing. It has broad reaching implications. And so want to take a careful look at it. And if, you know, so the question is what, you know, how do we, if we have a blind spot in how we're interacting as a spiritual family, and if there's something to be gained and something to be learned, um, how do you figure out? what do you do? You know, what the blind spot is. Usually you get someone to teach you. Um, but you'll remember from my first, my second class or my first class, um, I was saying it's not all about information. It's about imitation, right? Quoting Joe Joe Saxton. Um, a huge point that she made for us is we don't just need information. We need someone to imitate. So if we have a blind spot and we need someone to imitate, where did that leave? Where does that leave us? It's a pretty tricky spot. Not me. You don't need to imitate me because I have these same weaknesses. Um, and so I think practically trying to slide us from ideas to actual um, practically, where do we go from here? Um, where we go as a church? I think the answer the answer is to go to one another and to start looking at this together now. Um, if you know there was someone like Mike Breen who was you know, phenomenal at taking a church from where they're at in discipleship and, and helping them get further along in that. I think that'd be a great opportunity. But 
there's a you know there's there's only a few Mike Breens out there, and there's a ton of churches, and so I think God um, would could equip our church and use our church to kind of look at this and kind of move along together. Um, so I want to pitch, uh, I think a step in this direction is to open up to one another. Um, so not only the questions that come up in your own mind, as you hear Mike and Sally's words through me and through this class, or if you're reading the book, um, but to open up to the questions and the insights of other people, um, in the church as well. And I, I think that's a big shift. It maybe seems like a small one, but I think it's a big shift and I think it's a good one. So, um, Dave in the book of Acts was pointing out that the disciples, right? They, when Jesus ascends, they don't have the instinct to go solo. They don't go out into the world solo to make disciples. They go together to the upper room and they, partly because Jesus instructed them to, I'm sure, but they didn't seem to have this solo instinct. They stayed together as a family. So how can we kind of go into an upper room? How can we be wrestling with this together? So I have two questions for this week and we're going to break up into Zoom groups and start discussing them. So, um, the two questions I'm pitching that you can, you can discuss as a group, one of either, either question that you prefer. I think it's all right for us to shoot at, to look at two of them in the Zoom uh, breakout group. Uh, do you believe Mike's interpretation of scripture that God has used family from the beginning? And if that's true, does our culture and our the the American church at large kind of miss that, miss the role of family? So that's the first one. And then the second question is, would you be willing uh, to be challenged to attempt a missional model like Mike and Sally described, where you invite people into your family and you bring your family on mission, uh, your spiritual family, you bring your spiritual family on mission? So that was the the talk from April 5th. So those are my two questions that we can talk about in the breakout groups. And that's all. All right. Have a good one.